Welcome to Life Church Birmingham. We are glad you have listened today. We know God has a plan and purpose for your life and want to help you be successful in Jesus Christ. We know you will receive a message of hope and encouragement. Grab your Bibles and turn to Luke 19. Luke 19. Today's a celebration. Today's a day of celebration. It's a great day to celebrate, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments. As you turn to Luke 19, I, I want to go over with you our theme scripture uh, for the year. This is our scripture for the year. It's our theme. It's out of Jeremiah 29, verse 13 and 14, and I want, I'm going to say it, and then I would like for us to say it together. If you'll throw it up on the screen, Jeremiah 29, 13 and 14, I'll say it, and then I want us to say it together. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Can we say that in cadence together? One, two, three. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Let's do it one more time. One, two, three. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And that's what we're going for this year. Deeper, deeper, deeper. And so our challenge to you in 2024 is to go deeper. Today, I want us to go deeper in missions. Deeper in missions. And today will be a celebration. I've never done this. Uh, I've never done this. I've never preached such a multi-point sermon in my life. So the points will be short. You'll have to take notes quick. But I've got 10 of them that I want to share with you, and I promise we'll be out by 4 this afternoon. It's also a celebration because many of us today are breaking our 21-day fast, and we'll break that together at the end with Holy Communion, and those are available in the seat back in front of you, uh, and I'll direct you towards the end. If you're on the front row, there is no seat back in front of you. It's in the seat hopefully beside you, not under you. All right, so several weeks ago, I challenged you and let you know where we were as a church uh, in, in our area of finances and the fact that we had a big unexpected thing happen that wasn't really awesome, and that was two of our rooftop units uh, that keep the place hot when it's cold outside and cold when it's hot outside. They were condemned because of the, uh, the gas exchange on there was, was bad, and uh, that's an issue, and so, like, they were done, like, that day, and so we're like, oh boy, what do we do? Um, what's the bill on that? And $44,000, we got to get a big crane, and, and so I challenge you, I, I won't backtrack all of that, but I share with you the need, uh, because of inflation on our uh, church finances, and because of this unexpected, it put a, a major strain. So I challenge you with an effort called Next Generation, and I, and I challenge you to invest in that, and I just want to give you a quick report on where we are with that, and, and that's this. Uh, to date, we've received $36,063.96. And so that's a big awesome. That's a big awesome. And so what that allowed us to do is to balance um, the, the annual budget um, in the, not in the red. <laughs> you don't want red at the end. In the black. And that allows us to put $13,000 towards paying off those two rooftop units. So I think that's a pretty amazing start, and I just want to say thank you. We're not done with that. I believe God's going to bring in $100,000 by faith, and God's going to help us. So I just wanted to give you that report. But I want to say this about that. Maintaining the strength of this church 
it's not just about the saints here. It's not just about the impact we'll have in Birmingham. It is also about the global partners who have gone down into the mines of the mission field across the globe. And we are holding the ropes at this church as they descend. It's about the ability to be able to lower them into the mission field because a strong church has the ability to not only be a gathering, but a sending church. In Life Church Birmingham, we are um, an assembly of God church. The reason I say that, that's the, that's the tribe we belong to. That's our people. That's our historical roots. That's our association. The reason the Assemblies of God was formed about 120 years ago was four main reasons. To provide relational accountability, coordinate to stability, establish a ministry training school, and coordinate to establish a world missions mechanism because of the revivals that were happening in the early 1900s, Time Magazine listed the Azusa Street Revival as one of the 100 most significant events that happened last millennial. I don't know if you know that. And right now, on the globe, missiologists tell us we are this far. We are this far from the majority of global Christendom being Pentecostal. If it has not happened yet, it's a matter of months or so because of the spread of revival fire. I say that to say one reason we exist is to be a sending church. I'm going to give you a breath to catch up with me. I'm just launched out of that thing like a rocket. <laughs> we are a missional church. We are missions-minded. We're missions-practicing. We're a church that loves missionaries. Come on. We're a church that supports missionaries. And one of the reasons we exist is so the gospel can be shared to the world. This Saturday, we have a missions banquet. Missionary Jeff Garrett uh, will be with us. Dinner's provided. As of this morning, we had 20, 33 slots left. 33 slots. You need to register because we've got to cap it at 100. So register today by the connection card or go online uh, through our app and you can click that off. He uh, shot us a short video, just wants to introduce himself to us. and wants to play that and just invite you to be part of the missions banquet this Saturday at 5 o'clock. Hey, Pastor Tim in Life Church, my family and I, we are so very grateful for you and for your 23-year partnership together with us as AGWM missionaries in reaching Tanzania for Jesus. The TAG, that is the Tanzania Summers of God, represents one of the greatest church planning movements of our day. And you, Life Church, have been partnered together with the TAG through us as AGWM missionaries in seeing the TAG grow from a half a million members, including children and youth, in 2009 to more than 5 million members today. 
and from 2,600 pastors and churches in 2009 to almost 16,000 pastors and churches today. Psalm 108 verse 13 says, Pamojanabwana tutatenda maku. Together with the Lord, we will do great things. And we are looking forward to sharing some of the great things that the Lord is doing around the world through your life church faith promise missions giving. Pastor Tim and I would like for you to come and join us for our life church missions banquet one week from this Saturday, February the 3rd at 5 p.m. and for our life church mission service one week from this Sunday, February the 4th at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. So this Saturday, we want to invite you to be part of that. In 2023, we shared the gospel with approximately 800 people during our outreaches throughout the year. You were part of that. And if you know me, I don't like to inflate numbers. It's probably over 1,000, but I'm very comfortable with over 800. Most of those 800 do not call Life Church Birmingham home. So these are not our people. They're not church people, but they are God's people who has, he has created in, their Im, in his image and his likeness. We saw over 60 say yes to Christ to respond to the call for repentance and salvation. And some of you may be in the room. We distributed uh, through our um, food ministry over 31.3 tons of food. I just want you to think about that for a moment. And if you do the math, that's over 52,000 meals. The food bank says to divide uh, each pound by 1.2, and that's how you calculate the number of meals. You were part of that. So you were part. Your giving helped make it possible to feed hungry people and to feed hungry souls. You are a missional church. This is a missional church. Luke 19.10 says this. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Can we say that together? One, two, three. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We use the word lost in different ways, right? Um, who's ever lost their keys or their phone? I'm not sure which is more panicking, losing your keys or your phone. I think I'd rather lose my wallet than my phone. I, I just, uh, we use the word lost in different ways. It can mean misplaced something, right? Um, but that something could be in perfectly good order if you can just find it. Or we say um, he lost his life savings in the stock market. That doesn't mean he misplaced it. <laughs> And that it's in good working order, it means he will never find it any day. It's gone forever. And sometimes we hear the dreaded words of the doctor. We lost them. The surgeon comes out. We've done everything we can do. We lost them. Or you can go to an old whaling town in Massachusetts under the title Lost at Sea. And you could read the names 
That doesn't mean they're misplaced. And you'll find them. That means that they will never be found. They're at the bottom of the ocean. In the New Testament, son, in the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, for my son was dead, but he's alive again. Uh, um, he was lost, and now, now he's found. The parable of the lost son, he, he was dead, he was lost. Jesus knew what he was saying when he said he was dead. He knew the implications. There are living dead, just like Paul says in Ephesians 2.5, even while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God made us alive. The lost are dead. They're, they're, they're spiritually dead, unresponsive to God. And the Bible says that's why Jesus came. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. They're, they're lost. They're spiritually dead. And being a missions church is like being at the top of a huge uh, mine. And you extend the rope to lower the miner into unfamiliar territory to go rescue someone at the bottom. You need someone to descend, a missionary, and you need someone at the top that will hold the line, that will hold the line so the miner can descend to the bottom of the mine and rescue the lost. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Several years ago, in Syria, there was a little girl who fell down into a mine. We've got video of the rescue. I want you to play that.
That's what it's like to be a missional church. I want to give you 10 reasons why we do what we do. Never preached a 10-point sermon that I can remember, so you'll have to take quick notes because some of you are hungry. (laughs) Not me, of course. Number one, we are a missional church to make God's name famous. To make his name famous. God is passionately committed to the fame of his name. So he will be worshipped by all the nations of the world. It's not egotistical. It is love. Psalm 96.3 says, Declare the glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all the people. That's what it says. We're a missional church to make God's name famous. Isaiah 12, 4 says, make, his, make known his deeds among the people. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Romans 5, 9 says, it is written. Therefore, in Romans 9, among the Gentiles, I will sing the praise of your name. And Romans 9, 17 says this. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. We're a missions sending and a missions going church to make God's name famous. That's why we do what we do. The second one is worship is the goal. The goal is worship. Worship is the goal and worship is the fuel for missions. It's the fuel. It's the fuel in the rocket. Missions exist because worship doesn't. That's why we go. That's why we sin. And missions is our way of saying the joy of doing what we're doing this morning, the joy of knowing Christ is not private. It's not tribal. It's not national. It's not an ethnic privilege. It is for all. It's for all. It's for all. And that's why we go. That's why we go. Because we have tasted, many of us have tasted the joy of worshiping the risen Savior, haven't we? And we want the families of the earth to experience that joy. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-seven says this. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. The joy of our worship is fuel in the rocket. The fuel for seeing and seeking the nations to worship him. That's it. You can't commend what you don't cherish. And you can't proclaim what you don't prize. So if you commend and cherish worship, it's the fuel and the goal of missions. Worship is the goal. 
The third one is this. Salvation is found in, in no one else. Salvation is found in no one else. People must be told about Jesus. People must be told about Jesus. Because, why? Because there are no salvations and there is no worship where the gospel, the crucified, risen Savior is not heard and believed. That's how it works. That's how it works. Acts 4.12 tells us this. Salvation is found in no one else. Everybody say no one else. Found in no one else. For there is no other name given under heaven to mankind by which we must be what? Saved. So then faith comes by hearing. Hearing the message. The message that comes to preaching Christ. And 1 John tells us in chapter 5 verse 12. Whoever has a son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. That's not a small deal. That's the main deal. Jesus told the last thing he gave us before he ascended to the Father, go and make disciples of all nations. That's what he said. He said, start across the street and then go down the road. And then go a couple hundred miles. And then get on boats and chariots and cars and motorcycles and bicycles and canoes and airplanes and donkeys and horses and camels and airboats and helicopters. And proclaim the good news to the world. I want you to think about something. He started with 120 people in a prayer service. In the book of Acts, in their remaining lifetime, those people spread the gospel to the known world. By the way, most of them didn't live to 80 back then. We're a missional church because salvation is found in no one else. There'll be no salvation, no true worship among people that have not heard the gospel. <laughs> it's essential for salvation. For God's committed to the nations. God's committed to the nations. Jesus is committed to the nations. He's committed to gathering worship from all people groups of the world. Not, listen, not just countries of the world. So when you see all nations, what does that mean in the Great Commission? Keep in mind, um, there weren't all these lines drawn in the sand back then. There weren't all these territories and borders and countries. As a matter of fact, 50 years ago, the, the amount of countries we have on the planet was not what it is now. He means nations like the Sudakars in Russia, who are an unreached people group. The Radai and the Chain in India, who are unreached people groups. The Turks in Argentina, 
who are unreached people groups. He doesn't mean the United States or Japan or Mexico. He means the nations as in groups of people. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and verse 10. Here's what, here's what it says. They sang a new song. Come on. Scroll and open its seals. For you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from, here it is, every tribe, every language, and people and nation. There it is. And you have made them a kingdom, a priest to our God, and they shall reign on, on the earth. The gospel the gospel has already reached all of the countries, but it hasn't reached all the people groups. Um, I encourage you to do something when you get home, not right now. Go onto your app store and download the apps from the Joshua Project. The Joshua Project. There are a, a couple and one that will have the unreached people groups. And they highlight a group of day, a, group of a day, and they'll uh, talk about them. As a matter of fact, today's unreached people group is the Sudakars in Russia. It's a po- approximately 20,000 people. Um, I'm not going to attempt to try to pronounce the language that they speak, but it starts with a D and ends with an A. Um, they're primarily Islamic. The Christian population is 0.0. The evangelical population is 0.0. It tells you all the ideas, obstacles, and a map, and it lets you pray for the unreached people groups. The Joshua Project says that there are 17,281 individual people groups. And of those people groups, 7,200 are unreached people groups. The unreached people groups represent about 3.5 billion people on the planet with no gospel witness. God is committed to the nations. He's committed to the nations. That's why it's critical that we go. Number five, the need's great. The need is great. I messed around and lost my end. The need is great. The need is great. Everybody say, the need's great. Okay, it's critical that we have Paul-type missionaries and that we have Timothy-type missionaries. Let me, let me distinguish. We need Paul-type missionaries who go and we hold the rope for as they descend into a mine that no one's ever been down before. And we need Timothy-type missionaries that will go to a different city and minister the gospel there. Paul-type missionaries and Timothy-type missionaries. Timothy left his home 
and served in a cross-cultural city. He, he left uh, Ephesus, where he was saved and grew up, uh, to go to a different town, Lystra. Excuse me. He went to Ephesus, but he's from Lystra. I, I kind of like that. I'm not from here. I've been here longer than my hometown that I grew up in. Um, so I guess you could say I've been grafted into the vine. Just for the record, um, I did drink sweet tea as a kid, so I don't know if that means anything. Um, I, I was born in New York, and I know some of y'all have a hard time with that, but the Lord's working on your heart. He's working on your heart. Um, every Sunday after church, one of the only sweetened drinks we could drink besides orange juice was sweet tea. And then, um, you know, my little body's full about four or five glasses of sweet tea, and then it was nap time. And my mom would wonder why little Timmy can't go to sleep. Man, I'm ready to run around the block, Mom. <laughs> you filled me full of sweet tea, and now it's time to take a nap. Because Sunday night, we may be up past 8 o'clock, so I got to take a nap. And so I'd pretend like I was sleeping. And it didn't matter how long I slept, as long as she was convinced that I was asleep. The need's great. Paul said, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. Do you see the difference? Paul goes to unknown minds and descends down. Timothy goes across state lines to a different city to bring the gospel. There's so many peoples that Christ hasn't been named in. And we need to pray that an army of hundreds of thousands with Paul's passion to preach the utterly unreached 7,000 people groups, unengaged people, and share the gospel. Can I be honest with you? It's easier for me to pray for your kids to do that. Can I be honest with you? God, send the Jones kid to Turkestan. Help him across the border illegally to the Sudakars in Russia who are primarily Muslim, where they don't have the gospel, send the Smiths, son and daughter. <laughs> and my son is wrestling right now with the call of God, and he feels that he's to reach unreached people groups. And I'll tell you, that creates a prayer meeting with his mama. <laughs> that'll, that'll cause you to pray, man. But unless they go... They'll be lost forever. We've got to send them. We've got to go. We've got to hold the rope on the other end so missionaries can go into mines and rescue people where there is no gospel witness. The need is great. Number six, missionaries must be sent well. We must send them well. 
We must send all of our global partners in a manner that's worthy of God. We have to do it that way. That's why we focus on missions trips. That's why Pastor John took how many people to Spain? 16 people to Spain to share the gospel. That's why uh, we're going to Belize to work with our missionary Cody Griggs that we support every month here at Life Church Birmingham to take the gospel to Belize. That we have to send them well. For uh, Third John chapter 1, verse 6 says this. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. Senders and goers are both critical. The goers can't go unless the senders hold the other end of the rope. The goers can't go unless the senders stand at the top of the mine and hold the rope. And keep them from slipping into the abyss. It holds the rope. It supports them and prays for them. It supports them financially to take the gospel to unknown people groups. Missionaries must be sent well. We don't believe that everybody is called to be a frontier missionary. Not everybody's called to go to unreached people groups. We believe that most of us are probably called to reach Jerusalem and Judea. And on occasion, we will go visit the other most parts of the world and we will send frontier missionaries to go where the gospel is not being preached. They have to be sent well. If we're not a goer, then we are called to be a sender. Yes, we are. And John tells us, do it in a manner that's worthy of God. That's, that's, what, that's why we give so much. I just want to highlight a couple things for you. Last year, um, we gave to missions. We gave to missions. And when you leave today... You're going to get these fancy little books that tells you all about it. And last year, I then made the mistake of passing them out during the service. And then I said, hey, don't look at the book, look at me. And it was not a wise thing because this is a really cool book. And inside the book, it will tell you that last year, we gave the Speed Delight over 7,000, GMC over 2,000, Global Servants, over 15,000, World Prayer Center, 2,500, Life for the Lost, 1,700, for a, for a, uh, for a total of um, 28,970. Last year, we went on a Spain missions trip. It cost $40,000 to do that. It's not cheap. We go, but I can tell you, if you are a parent, make it a goal, make it a goal to have your child be in a third world context, ministering the gospel before they graduate, before they get out of the house. If there's anything that you can do to make that happen, 
man, if there's anything I can do to help make that happen, make it a goal. Not everybody lives under a shingled roof with clean running water. Not everybody does. And we support over 30 missionaries and missions organizations. Or excuse me, 30. 30, and then periodically we pick up some. So 30. And last year we gave over $20,000 to support them monthly because we're saying we believe in this. We believe we're going to hold. Listen, we're going to hold the line while you go. We're going to hold the line while you go. And then in the area of community compassion, over $12,000 to feed the hungry, to care for widows, to, to uh, help folks out that are in a pinch, that need food, they're out of gas, uh, their tire's flat, they need help. Last year, you helped be part of a church that gave over $101,000 to global and local missions. $101,000. Come on, come on, somebody. That's something to celebrate. From this house. Because we're going to hold the line, man. We're going to hold the line. Because they're stuck in the bottom of the mine. And we've got to hold the line. And this week, the next seven days, you'll be challenged. To prayerfully consider what part you will have as a sender. I heard of a girl up in Chicago. She was struggling with what could she do for missions. Didn't know what to do. Didn't have really a source of income. So she thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on live on my Instagram and put my uh, 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 Venmo, and I'm going to sing karaoke for missions. She raised over 1200 bucks. People from all over come just Venmo her money just to sing random songs. And the evangelist who told me the story said the funny thing is she's not really a great singer. But she was willing to just get up there. Oh, here's 20. Here's 30. She, here's the point. She became a creative holder of the line. She said, God, how can you use me? I think that's pretty cool. I think that's a pretty creative way. I don't know if I'd do it. But she did it and she became a holder of the line. Don't you see? You'll be challenged. We don't make an apology. We don't make an apology. And you'll be challenged to hear the stories. Number seven, we live in a wartime. We live in wartime. We live in wartime. It's fitting to have a wartime mindset when it comes to local and global outreach emissions. As long as there's people to reach, and we have the resources to do it, we're in a wartime footing. I don't know if you know this, but in peacetime, the Queen Mary was a luxury liner. It's a luxury liner. Um, but in the Second World War, she became a troop carrier. See, in peacetime, the beautiful ship was one thing, but in wartime, it became another thing. Instead of bunks three high 
they figured they could stack them seven high. Instead of those on a luxurious vacation, it became a troop carrier. Instead of 18-piece settings on the table, right, it, it, became, it became where rations and a fork and a knife, that's, what, that's how they fed people. Because you allocate resources differently when you're in a wartime scenario. The battles are more constant and consistent than any of the world wars. I'm telling you, we're in a spiritual battle, friends. We're in a wartime scenario. You allocate resources differently in a wartime scenario. And the Macedonians in the Bible were a great model for us. And here's what the word says about the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. These folks didn't have a lot. They weren't wealthy. They were, they were going through a trial, and they were poor. For I testified that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service in the Lord's people. They said, look, we don't have a whole lot. We're going to do everything we can because we want to be part of the fruit that's going to happen in the next town. We want to help you share the gospel with the next group of people. God, help us that we would, right, we would deepen our grasp on the urgency of the hour. That, that it would become an urgent thing to us. And, and ultimately, we would remember, we, we don't own anything. We don't own nothing, man. We don't own a thing. God owns us and all we have. Stories told. Of Henry Ford's accountant. When the old man died, they asked his accountant, so how much did the old man leave? He said, all of it. You can't take it with you. We live in a wartime. And he cares about how it goes in wartime effort to reach the nations. Jesus died to send. So we're at wartime. Number eight, worship team, come on. Prayer is for mission. Prayer is for mission. Listen, prayer is like a wartime walkie-talkie, not a domestic intercom system. We, we get it mixed up sometimes, and we think prayer is... Only some kind of domestic intercom system where we, we, we just talk uh, in that. But prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie. I give you a mission so that your prayers will be fruitful. John 15, 16, here's what it says. You didn't choose me, I chose you. And appointed you so that you might... Go and what? Bear fruit. Fruit that will what? Last. Fruit that will last so that 
whatever you ask for in my name, the Father will give. Do you see? Do you see? Prayers for mission. It's not a domestic uh, intercom system. It's a wartime uh, radio. It's a wartime walkie-talkie. I give you mission so that your prayers will be fruitful. Prayers for mission. It is mainly for the purpose of the front lines in the war effort. Call to headquarters asking for help. That's mainly what prayer is about. And here, sometimes, sometimes, the reason our prayers malfunction, the reason that they uh, uh, malfunction is we try to treat them like a domestic intercom to call um, the butler for another pillow out in the living room. Rather than treating them like a wartime walkie-talkie for calling down the power of the Holy Spirit in the battle for souls. Prayers for mission. Prayers for mission. Number nine. Suffering is in the plan. Suffering's in the plan. Well, what are you saying, Pastor Tim? Suffering's in the plan. It's not only the price for being in missions. It's God's plan for getting it done. It's it's his plan for getting it done. Let me give you some scriptures. Matthew 10, 25 says this. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? (laughs) You see that? Jesus said in Matthew 24, 9, you'll be handed over. You'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Suffering is in the plan. Matthew 10, 16, 17, and 19 says this. I'm sending you, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. I'm sending you, right? Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to local councils to be flogged in the synagogues. When they arrest you, you like that? Look at that. When, not if. When they arrest you, when they arrest you, don't worry, worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say. Suffering's in the plan. It's not just the price. It's the plan. That's God's strategy for victory. And his son won the victory all the way, and so will we. Revelation 12, verse 11. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not 
Look at that. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. They conquered. Not were conquered. They did conquer by testimony and by death. I don't know if that... Um, Retreat would be well attended. I don't know if that seminar is going to be like the most signed up for, right? Come and learn how to suffer and even die. I don't, I don't see that being a sellout crowd, do you? I don't, I don't think they're going to get $499 for, uh, for, for that one. I think that's going to be hard to attend. God help us, right? God help us. <laughs> they conquered by testimony and by death. The blood on the soil of foreign lands shed by missionaries is not fruitless. <laughs> it's not fruitless. And let me encourage you, the persecution, we'll probably have to admit, small p, that we face here is not for nothing, not forgotten. Well, I didn't get a raise at work because I'm just not going to go there, right? That feels real, right? It feels significant. Well, I lost some friends because I wasn't going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. And that feels real, but Jesus says, come follow me. Pick up your cross and lay down your life. Missions is because suffering's in the plan. And number 10, missions cannot fail. <laughs> missions will not fail. The mission can't fail. The mission won't fail. The global cause of Christ can't fail. And nothing you do for the cause of Christ is in vain. Nothing. Never help him with a VBS or a kid's outreach. Well, I'm just there taking down names. Not in vain. I'm just the snack person. Not in vain. Well, I'm just a chaperone on this youth trip. I don't really know if I'm doing a whole lot. Not in vain. The guy who knows how to change the oil in the van, not in vain. The girl, the lady who pours her life into, young ladies, not in vain. The teacher who spends his Saturday night preparing for Sunday morning's class, not in vain. The worship team that gets here at 7.30 in the morning with all six of their kids in the back, not in vain. Your sacrificial giving and encouraging, and praying, and worshiping, not in vain. You're going out to Publix on Fridays to gather food for the hungry, not in vain. You're praying for the sick, and writing letters, and encouraging, 
uh, 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 the discouraged. Not in vain. The mission can't fail. You're not, you're on a winning team. You don't got to enter the transfer portal to be on a winning team. You already found it. The mission can't fail. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said this. All authority. Everybody say all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of North America. <laughs> all nations. How, how, do you, how, do you, how do you do that? From Pinson, Alabama. How do you do that from Centerpoint, Alabama? How, how do you do that from Springville, Odenville, or Trustville? How, how does that work out? You go to Jerusalem, Judea, right? Then you get on top of a mine shaft and hold a rope while someone descends into an unknown dark mine not sure what they'll find, not sure how it's going to work out, but trusting, done everything they can to prepare, not foolishly going, oh, they've checked the lines, oh, they're saddled in right. It's not just by chance. They've made sure the pulleys are intact. They've done everything they can. But what they don't know is what's down there. They don't know what they're going to find. And what they need is somebody at the top holding the line. So little boys and little girls... And moms and dads and grandparents and broken souls can find Jesus. That's why what we do. That's why we do what we do. That's why we focus on missions. That's why we have guest missionary speakers. That's why Jeff Garrett's coming. That's why we do a missions banquet. That's why we what God we printed all these booklets. That's why, that's why we support our missionaries. That's why we celebrate what God did last year. And that's why we cast vision for what we believe God's gonna do this year. Jesus has not some authority, he has all authority. And he can't be defeated. Come on. Matthew 16. Love this, right? I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You need to know that this morning. If you're discouraged, you're on a winning team. I mean, if you haven't checked the score recently, you're on a winning team. If you don't know how it lands, you're on a winning team. It shall not prevail against it. Matthew 24, 14 says this. And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to what? All nations. And then the end will come. When you read all nations... Now we don't think about Pakistan or Uruguay or Nigeria. We think of nations as in people groups. All people groups. All people groups. The gospel has entered into every geographical uh, nation. What it hasn't done, it hasn't been able to penetrate some areas within that geographical nation into a tribe or a group of people or a language. Missions can't fail. He has ransomed people 
for all the nations. And then, then he will come. Then he will come. So what about you? What about you? What about us? What about me? What, what, what are we going to do? There are more reasons than 10. I think those are probably 10 of the best reasons that drive our commitment to missions and outreach to sin. When you tithe, you're sending our youth pastors and leaders into the public schools to lead Bible clubs in the morning. Did you know that? Did you know that? Yeah. You're part of preaching the gospel every week. Every week, through, through schools, through Bible, through legit, legal, sanctioned Bible clubs in the school system. What, what will you do? Some of you have been listening. My prayer is that we would be a rope-holding church and a going church and that some of us would be raised up out of this house to descend into an unknown cavern to reach people with the gospel that don't have a witness. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, when I spoke this morning, something grabbed you. Something grabbed your soul, grabbed your attention. Maybe you're 13 or 43 or 73. Something grabbed you and you feel God pulling you towards the harvest that is cross-cultural, that is out of your comfort zone, that's out of the norm. That's why we expose our young people to world missions. That's why we give the speed light. That's why we give the Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge. That's why we give the missions. That's why we have missionaries come speak to us because where do they come from? They come from within to go out. And those that go out descend and those that stay behind hold the line. And we, we say, come on, man. You got it. Come on. We are with you here. We'll be faithful to support you. We'll be faithful to pray for you. We won't drop the line. And then they go with confidence for months on end. And then come back and give us reports of what happened down there. Today, as we break our fast, our first response is to observe communion together. The seat beside you, if you're in the front, there's a little pre-made communion cup. If you're sitting on any other row, it's going to be the seat back in front of you. But I want you to take the communion cup. We practice open communion. What I mean by that is um, you don't have to be a member or even come here every week. This will be your first time. But if 
you call the name of Jesus. If he's your Lord and Savior, if he's first in your life, we say, let's, let's drink and eat together. Maybe you find yourself today saying, I, you know, I'm not sure if I died today, if I go to heaven or not. You talk about unreached people groups, you're looking at one. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't, I don't know where my soul will live forever. I don't know what I'd say if God says, why should I let you into heaven? I don't know. You want to know. And today you want to surrender your life to Christ. You want to submit everything to him, friend. You, you got up this morning for this very reason. You're here not by chance. You, you, you came for this very reason. So that your soul, so that your soul could be saved. So your soul could be saved. Let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads and let's think. God, what are you saying to us? What are you saying right now? In the solemnness of this moment, the quiet of this moment, what are you saying? If you're here today and everything's not all right with Jesus, he's not your Lord, he's not your Savior, maybe, maybe a long time ago you said a prayer and for some reason things didn't change, you find yourself in the condition that you're in and you realize you need forgiveness. Here's the good news. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short. But he's faithful, he's just to forgive us our sins. He's gracious if we ask him. And if that's you, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get my life right with Christ. Today I need to be saved. If that's you, on account of you, just wave at me. Say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I, I, I don't want to be an unreached people group. I, I want to be found. I don't want to be lost. Today I'm coming home. If that's you on the count of three, just wave me. I want to pray with you. One, two, all over the room. Three. I'm talking to you. Yeah. That's you. That's you, sir. That's you, ma'am. That's you. Yeah. Maybe you're watching at home and you say, man, that's me, Tim. That's what I need. I want to pray with you right now. If you raise your hand or you should have and you mean this, it will be as if God heard, heard it and you made up the words yourself. If you mean it by faith, we're going to ask him to forgive us. We're going to declare that Jesus is Lord. And we're going to tell him that we believe he's alive. And give him a home on the altar of our heart. I want you to pray this out loud at home or at your seat this morning. Let's pray. Pray after me. Say, dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for dying for my sins. And today I confess that I've sinned against you. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you have risen from the dead. And I believe that your blood is sufficient payment for my sins. Wash me clean. I give you, Christ, authority to be Lord and Savior. And I invite you to be my Lord. In Christ's name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want to know 
One way we'll know is please indicate on the connection card so we can communicate to you. The Bible says in Matthew 14, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. The little bottom has a cracker. Go ahead and pull that out. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and he said, take it, this is my body. The bread represents the body, the broken body of Christ. Let's eat together. Then he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank for it, from it. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. We thank you for the sacrificial blood of Christ. We thank you for what you've done for us, Master. And we ask, Lord, as we drink, we eat this morning, we break this fast, but we do it to remember you until you come. Let's drink together. Could you put this in the seat back in front of you? Go ahead and stand to your feet. Go ahead and stand to your feet. If you're here, a response is twofold. First, maybe you're here, maybe you're here, and you say, I feel the tug for cross-cultural missions. I feel the tug for cross-cultural missions. I feel that God is dealing with me. I'm not asking you if you're absolutely sure. I'm not saying that Jesus came to you in a vision and you know and he wrote you a letter and it came in the mail. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying you feel a tug and you at least want to respond to the tug. That's you. I want to lay hands on you and agree with you in prayer for God's purposes for your life. You're not signing up to be a missionary the rest of your life. What you're saying is, I feel a stirring in my heart, and I do not want to ignore that. That's what we're saying, right? We're going to submit that to the Lord. Secondly, you say, Pastor, not only do I want to be part of a missional church, I want to be a missional person. Man, I want to be that person that holds the line. And, and I want to say yes I want to say yes to being a sender. Man, I want to say yes. I may, not, I may not be that guy that goes into the unreached people groups in Russia. I may not be that guy that goes into Argentina and the jungles. I may not be her. But I'm going to hold the line for someone who is. And you say, Pastor, I just, I just want to come, respond, submit myself to the Lord, and honor him. We're going to sing a worship song. And if that's you, we want to pray with you. Our prayer team's coming. We invite you to come and just worship and be part of what God's doing. Come on, let's sing together. We want to thank you for listening to the message today. We would love for you to stop by and see us. Our services start at 10 a.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights with various small groups throughout the week. Here at Life Church, we hope you have a great week.